At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trana. Thank you so much for listening. Very good show this week. We have an interview with ESPN's Chris Fowler, who will be... You'll be hearing his voice a lot over the next several weeks. He's got the U.S. Open for ESPN, and the start of college football is almost here. He calls the first game of the season with Kirk Herbstreet, and that is Miami against Florida. So we uh, talked to uh, Chris about his role on tennis play-by-play, his role in the college football play-by-play arena where he is the top voice, calls the national title game. And then we get into, obviously, he was on college game day for 14 years. We talked about that. And uh, the interview ends with uh, Chris giving us the sort of uh, oral history of Lee Corso dropping an F-bomb once on college game day. So it was a good, good interview with uh, Mr. Fowler. Uh, before we get to it, just let me quickly remind you, Last week's podcast, uh, Jim Miller was on to talk about ESPN, uh, Edwarder's return there, Dan Lebertard fallout. We got into some Kirby enthusiasm stuff, Eddie Murphy. So we were all over the place. It was a good interview with Jim Miller. So if you haven't listened yet, please check that out in the archives. Two weeks ago, Stone Cold Steve Austin was in studio for the podcast. So make sure you uh, dip into those archives and give any of those a listen if you missed it. I say this every week. It's so important. If you can subscribe, it helps me immensely. Um so please subscribe, and if you really want to get generous, you can rate and review, which also helps. And uh, that is all I have to say. We now go to Chris Fowler of ESPN right here on the SI Media Podcast. All right, joining me now, someone who's going to be very busy over the next few weeks. He's got the U.S. Open and the start of the college football season, one of the mainstays at ESPN, Chris Fowler. Chris, how are you? Right, Jimmy. Yeah, I, you're right. It's it's headed to a crazy time of year for me, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you have to love it. Uh, I would assume. I mean, the U.S. Open is such a fun event, and uh, and then obviously the start of college football. Nothing can top that except maybe the start of the NFL season if you prefer NFL over college. But any football once it gets going, everyone uh, is usually happy about that. Yeah, the tennis and football actually fit 
pretty well together. They're my two favorite sports, so I, I'm never I never permit myself to complain for one second about the busyness because I really am, you know, living the dream. But this is the most challenging time of the year because it's the only time that football really overlaps with tennis. And I, I do love the Open. Lived in New York for. 25 years, so I appreciate the energy, but I can't really fully appreciate it because obviously, you know, football pays the bills. And as you said, at the beginning of the season, there's a special energy to that. So they yeah. kind of have to coexist for two weeks. But like I said, you, you can't allow yourself to, uh, to whinge for one second about the challenge because um, this is all I've wanted to do. Is the Open, any tennis tournament, I, I guess, I'm wondering how much of a grind it is just because it is daily. It is every day. And the Open especially um, can go late into the night. There's always some memorable moments that sort of seem to happen at like, you know, one or two in the morning with <laughs> that crazy Queens crowd. Uh, is is the Open a challenge or, or all tennis the, when you're doing the majors, especially when cause, because it's a daily thing or um, it's easy and not that big of a deal? Well, I mean, for it, in some respects, the broadcast group kind of mirrors the players. You start in Australia, New Year, it's fresh, everybody's in a great mood, they've come off their vacations. I've not come off a vacation, I've come right off of the championship game, but you get the point. By the end of the year, you can see the players are impacted by the long, hot summer on the hard court, the final grand slam of the season. Um, for a lot of our viewers and fans, that's sort of when they culminate their, their tennis view and they did switch, switch off the sets after the U.S. Open. So you do feel like it's sort of the, um, the last leg of, of the Grand Slam season. And, you know, there can be some wear and tear. But, again, our group is so pumped up. I think it, the energy, as you said, of the event is incredible, sort of incomparable. All the Grand Slams have their own character. But New York has the heat, the noise, the energy, the sheer scope of everything. And to sort of the bigness of it, kind of fills you with energy when you walk in the gate. So I don't allow it to ever feel like a grind, even though you know, I'll call a match, I'll have an hour off, and I'm, on, I'm to the football chart, you know, or right. I'm on the phone with a coach. I mean, that's sort of the, the challenge is using the time management skills that hopefully you built up over 35 years in the business because every minute just about is taken up for me. But that's okay. No complaints. How often do you pinch yourself over the fact, I mean, here you are, you call every Grand Slam event, which – is pretty significant in and of itself. And now you're doing that in this era of Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. I mean, that's got to be pretty mind-blowing that you're the voice for these guys in basically every major. Yeah, I'm not a very reflective person. I don't think about that too often, but I do recognize how lucky we are, you know, really as tennis fans and broadcasters, to be able to call these matches, to get to know these players, to experience the era of Serena, Roger, Rafa, and now Novak. And I think that when, when they're gone, um, the void will be massive and we'll realize what we had. I wish more people would jump on the train and understand how great a sport tennis is and how great an era this is in tennis and how it should be appreciated. And if you get a chance to see these players in person, you should. Because it's like saying, hey, I was ringside for an Ali fight or I was there courtside watching Michael Jordan um, or, you know, I, hey, I saw Mickey Mantle play. I mean, it's that kind of thing yep. in tennis right now, and I think it should cross over to more non-hardcore tennis fans who need to realize what a great era it is. So, I mean, when I hear back, um, you know, my voice on a call of one of these guys or, or women 
winning a, a title, <laughs> you better believe that's a thrill. You better believe that's a pinch me moment because it's just an honor to be able to to be a part of bringing viewers these matches, and it ain't going to last forever, as we're going to find out very soon. And, and I, I mentioned the three men, and then you obviously you throw in Serena as well. And um, I, I, I guess maybe this is the frustrating thing for someone like you who would like more people watching the tennis and appreciating what's going on, but it does seem like um, it's Serena's U.S. Open antics that sometimes overshadow everything. So be curious to see... Uh, She's on our best well, behavior I mean, that, this that year. That final was more than her antics. It was just the way it played out, the drama, the theater of it. Um, very challenging as a broadcaster. Um, but you feel for the players in that situation, for both Serena and for Naomi Osaka, who had her maiden Grand Slam moment really spoiled by right. uh, things that she couldn't control and wasn't a part of. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think, for me, it's never going to be Serena's antics that overshadow what she's done on the court. I mean, just to be able to see her um, achieve remarkably huge things, you know, deep into her 30s and try to do so after being a mom. I mean, I'm not going to remember the antics. I'm going to remember the, the fighting spirit and the, the clutch serves that got her out of trouble and and just her relentless hunger and drive. That That's what's going to... Right. Um, stay with me when she goes on. I, I I only brought up because both both of her big incidents happened at the U.S. Open, so I'm just I'm wondering. Uh, well, she said that. I mean, yeah. she said every time I come here, something happens. I mean, <laughs> it's not true, not every time, but there have been some celebrated events. I was also on the call in the Kleisters match when, right. um, you know, when she was defaulted and and got caught for the foot fault and and then um, threatened the lineswoman. Although I was there for that too, so right. there been there's certainly been some episodes, but but because the spotlight is so bright in Arthur Ashe Stadium when she's playing, and the, the stage is so huge that but it, so it just seems like every time it's not. I mean, there's been a lot of matches where it's been about the tennis and, and nothing but the tennis, but you know, she, she herself has the feeling that, man, something crazy always happens with me at the center of it at the Open. So I hope that's not the case. I mean, it'd be good for ratings, but I, I just, <laughs> you know, it's just we don't need anything like what happened last year again. Yeah, it would definitely be good for uh, for ratings and for what I do. But I understand you not wanting the tennis overshadowed. Now, the no, US- I mean, I, listen, I, to be honest with you, we need something <laughs> to move the needle in tennis, whether it's Nick Kyrgios acting out or whatever other personality on the court that comes through the screen that engages people. To be honest with you, it's been pretty lacking. And and that's what we de- definitely need to, to spark uh, uh, you know, a renaissance of this sport in this country. It's so massively popular globally. Yeah. The lack of a U.S. men's player has really, really hurt. Um, thank God the women have stepped up, and there's great young American women in the pipeline. But the the men's side of things has been, I think that's been the biggest reason for, you know, some apathy from from non-tennis fans in this country about, about the sport. It's kind of crazy when you think about what gets attention these days and how wild and outrageous someone has to be these days to get attention. And I remember Andre Agassi caused such a ruckus because he had long hair and wore denim shorts. Like that wouldn't even get on the radar today. But you know, when Agassi first came on the scene, I mean, people just freaked out because of, you know, the hair and it was the look and the image and all that kind of stuff. And I, but I think there's been a lot of other players that have come on the scene and some aspect of their personality has grabbed onto people polarized fans, um, love them or hate them. I mean, Kyrgios is like that, which is why when somebody asked me, do you think he's good for tennis? Not even a debate. 
Of course, he's good for tennis because he brings eyeballs to it because he engages people. He's the guy that all the players in the locker room and the player lounge stop to watch when he's playing. If it's not just antics, he's, I mean, a brilliantly talented shot maker. He's an infuriating character. He's a troubled personality. Um, really believe that, but, but it's good for tennis because it attracts attention. I'm not saying everybody should want their kid to grow up playing like him. Mm -hmm. That'd be a nightmare, but (laughs) you, as you said, it, I mean, sports is entertainment and he, he does understand that it's a show, which bothers a lot of purists. But I think more and more athletes of his generation in various sports understand instinctively, innately, that it is a show and that they are showmen and that you're competing to win. But in order to expand your brand and move the needle, you, you have to also put on a show. And that's what people are paying for, to be honest. Yeah, especially in this day and age with social media, you better put on a show and and uh, be a little bit different to stand out. Um the U.S. Open begins on ESPN August 26th. Two days before that, Saturday, August 24th, this Saturday, as a matter of fact, we get the college football season rolling, and uh, Chris and Kirk Herbstreet and Maria Taylor will be calling the Miami Hurricanes-Florida Gators game. It's It, it has to be such a great feeling to get that first game in and, and get the season started. I like that it's a standalone game. You guys get all the attention that Saturday night. Uh, it had, the season hasn't started on a Saturday in a while. Usually it's been like a Thursday, I think. Um, yeah. What, what, uh, what are the feelings going into well, that game? Well, it's a special dispensation. It's 150th season of college football this year. It's something we're going to be uh, celebrating and hammering home all year long. So they got a special waiver to start this game so early. I don't think it's going to be an annual thing, and I'm good with that because it's, it's pretty early in the summer. Um, but I've got my chart out right here. I'm looking at the Gators and Hurricanes chewing on numbers. I'm watching Florida's bowl game against Michigan. So it's a full-on uh, football prep week for me the week before the U.S. Open, which is definitely weird. Um, it doesn't seem like we're quite ready for it. It's going to hit me, I think. I'm yeah. going to be on the campuses the next couple of days. In, uh, in Coral Gables and Gainesville getting ready for the game. I think it's going to hit me then, and I think we get to Orlando, and I see Kirk and Maria and our production team. is going to be, oh, okay, this is really happening. This is really here. But the rhythm of it is so different. It's, it's a cool rivalry because they haven't played regularly. And down in, in the state of Florida, you know, it's bitter. They don't like each other, um, and even though they haven't played regularly, to me that kind of makes this game a little more special than, than, than an annual rivalry. So... And really, really eager to see both teams got a, a lot at stake, and that they can launch their season. That the loser, it's a serious thud, could be a, a real deflator. You get a loss a week before Labor Day. I mean, that's that's not good in right. the sport. So I think there is something at stake, and I think it's going to be a, a good show. So this is gonna, this is going to be your sixth season calling the the main game for ESPN ABC with Kirk. Um, You've called, you're the only person who's called every national championship playoff game. It's been five years. This will be year number six. How do you evaluate yourself in terms of play-by-play from when you started, uh, when you got the, the assignment now six years ago to now? Uh, growth, things you want to <laughs> maybe improve? Better, on. I hope. I mean, right. I, I think that you always have to believe that Whatever you do, it's a work in progress. There's room for improvement. Certainly, I, I know that's the case for me and everything I do. And I think you have to approach it that way. I think when you start believing, like, hey, I got this, this you know, it's just autopilot, that's a huge mistake. I had done a lot of play-by-play before um, the Saturday Night Football thing on ABC. I did Thursday night right. for, for various years and, and various other packages and fill-in games. But obviously, it's a different level. You replace 
a legend like Brent Musburger, and you step into that role that's been had by, by the greatest broadcasters to ever do college football. Um, I don't really think about that much, but I understand that the responsibility and the eyeballs are there. And, yeah, I mean, getting the chance to do the playoff from the start. We did the first ever playoff game, which was the Rose Bowl semi with Oregon and Florida State in the Rose Bowl, and then the championship games. I mean, everybody in our crew just feels, you know, what an incredible honor it is and, and how the, the playoff era is something we've wanted for a long time. I hated the BCS, was outspoken about it. Finally, we have a playoff, and then to be involved in calling them. Um, they all have – you, it's a piece of, of college football history. And no matter what happens in the game, whether it's close or not, classic or not, it's still a piece of history. You're documenting a championship. Somebody's going to have an unforgettable moment. And I think that's why we're drawn to championship events in all sports, but uh, especially for me in this sport where so much from so many goes into being there and, 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 and winning that championship that I think it's, it's, it's so cool to be able to document it. And I think, you know, to, to answer your question, I mean, um, I don't – I don't lack in confidence about my ability to do what I do. I think that there's, there are different styles. I don't think with the broadcast landscape as splintered as it is that one crew or one guy is ever going to be viewed as the voice of college football because there's a thousand games on yeah. and there's all different sorts of platforms. And I think what I'm proud of is the fact that Kirk and I together on fall Saturdays have, have probably worked together longer than any other current tandem I, I can't think of another group that 24 years um, since you know Kirk came on game day in 96 in some form or fashion we also did work together in the Thursday night package but but now the last six years on this I mean I think it's it's very cool to have a partner that you have been with that long and and can sort of sure share these experiences and uh, I think he's the best in the business so you know my job is to set him up and get the most out of him for the viewer and you know I, I think like I said it's it's always a work in progress. You can always improve your game. There will always be people that prefer someone else's style. But I think what hopefully comes across is authenticity. That's always been the most important thing to me, whether it's game day or tennis. I'm authentically really, really excited and pumped to be where I am. There's something else I'd rather be doing. Um, you know, I bust my butt. I prepare. That's the least you can do. That's to, to that's the least that you owe to your viewer is to be as prepared as possible and your and your crew that you work with. And then, you know, as the game unfolds, like I said, there's different styles. There's people who prefer others who might yell louder, or others who might say less. But you know, as long as you're yourself and and the people you work with and work for <laughs> respect you, that's plenty for me. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. 
But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What 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 is the biggest give me the single biggest challenge in doing college football play by play? I I think I asked Maybe I think it was Gus Johnson I had on a year ago, and I asked him, and he talked about just the numbers and memorizing the numbers. It could be something as little as that, or is it? It could be even a bigger, uh, something bigger than that. But what, for you, what's the single? Man, there's a lot of things. I, I could go on forever about this because I think people don't really understand how challenging it is to do this sport well. Um, the, the sheer roster size, or double the NFL, the, the people who would touch the ball and impact the game, far greater. In, in a college game. You're getting ready for, for Florida and Miami. There's all these new faces. The transfer portal is blowing up. I mean, there's guys are coming and going. So the, the sheer number of, of players you're dealing with, the number of storylines and, and the, the background you have to know is so different than the NFL. The tempo in college football is also much quicker. It's getting faster on Sundays, which is actually mirroring college football in, in some respects. But you know, in the NFL, in the old days of college, Play happens, stop, replay, tell a story. This guy's grandma um, brought him up. And he, it's so hard, Jimmy, to get into that now. We're, we're doing more and more games. We've done some championship games and playoff games where it is just breakneck, man. Yeah. You, you can't get a replay in. If, when you tell a story about a player, you try to enrich the broadcast with something personal, you've got to break it down to like seven words. Like how, That's the challenge. How can you still get across something, add something. So it's not just a, a, a rapid-fire progression of plays, but there's a little something more in the broadcast, and yet still not trample the play, because that's the last thing you can do. Right. So, I mean, there's, I, I'd say that's, that's the biggest challenge. It's, and, and, and Gus would know this, too. When you, when you do one of these big broadcasts, there's a lot of stuff that the play-by-play guy has to handle. Mm-hmm. There's sponsored elements. There's stuff in and out of commercial breaks. It's a three-ring circus, and there's like three or four balls in the air sometimes. And, you know, you, you have to have extreme focus just to put your mind on calling the play and, and getting it right because there's so much else going on around it that, that people shouldn't and don't know about. Better get in that Affleck trivia question. It's very important. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that time's like 12. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a nice thing that the sales guys can sell you sponsored <laughs> elements, but it doesn't make it easy to get them right. in. Now, now, I, would think, I would think for any studio host in sports, it's a complete 100% no-brainer that when you're offered the number one play-by-play gig, you take it without even one second of hesitation. I think the only way there might be a second of hesitation is if you're the host of 
the all-time greatest studio show, and people can. <laughs> I mean, I think. Listen, you have College Thank Game you. Day. You have Inside the NBA on TNT. You want to maybe go old school with you know this NFL Today with Brent. I, that really is it when you talk. You know, NFL primetime, Berman and Jackson, but that, that's a highlight show more than a, a, a preview show. Game day is right there. If it's not one, it's two. If it's not two, it's one. It's right there. You hosted that show from 1990 to 2014, and then obviously you, you get the play-by-play gig. Was it a yes right away without even thinking about it, or because that show is so iconic, you, you had to think about it even for a minute? Yeah, it was more complicated than that. I mean, I've known I wanted to get back in the play-by-play booth since I left on Thursday uh, nights. I mean, Thursday nights was really hard to combat with game day. I mean, I, game day takes everything you've got. The show grew to three hours. As the host, your your uh, the weight you carry is significantly heavier than any analyst. And Reese Davis would tell you that now. And Kirk, everybody else knows that. That's just the way it is. You are, are you have a huge editorial role. I would say up Friday nights where I was going to miss something. Uh, and I would sleep about four hours before the show. So, you know, I, it was impossible to combo any other play-by-play gig with game day except Saturday night. And so I really wanted to do one year where I kind of did them both to see how it was, and and that's what it was in that, that initial season um, of 2014. And, and it was a hell of a challenge. I mean, Kirk continues to do it, but he's not hosting game day. It, it really was, I felt, shortchanging both things. And it made no sense. And as hard as it was to step away from game day, that, that's what I had to do. And I, I felt like uh, 25 was a nice round number. You want to leave time in your career to, to move on to something else that's challenging. And you feel like it's extremely challenging and also exciting and different. And I think that... Um, you know, I left game day in good hands, and I don't really have regrets. I don't miss the wake-up call anymore. But I'll never have anything like that because it wasn't just hosting the show. We were so proud of the fact that we built it. Right. You had Jim Miller on, and he would tell you, you know, it, it was nothing in the late 80s and early 90s, nothing. And it was going to get canceled. It was on life support. I know it seems bizarre now. They didn't believe in the show, and they have no reason to. But then we took it on the road. It's been pretty well documented for, for viewers that we, we kind of constructed this thing from scratch. And that is such a huge source of pride that myself and Lee Corso and, and Kirk, have as, as of 96, and lots of production people sort of built that thing up into what it is. And I think viewers who watch it now can't fully appreciate it, nor is it their job to. But I will always remember what it was like to be a part of the growth of that. And so, you know, it's like a startup that becomes a blue chip. And that's very rare in any career to be able to do that. That's not what happened on Saturday night. I'm inheriting a franchise that legends have done. It's already a well-established thing. You become the latest to do it, the caretaker of the tradition, but it's not like building a show. Well, was it taking the show on the road that, that ended up sort of, because you said for a while there it wasn't what it became. Was it taking the show on the road that really started the... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 1993, Notre Dame hosted Florida State one versus two in November, and we convinced them to, to spend the money, which at the time was pretty significant. Now it's pretty laughable how cheap it was, and we didn't know what we were doing at all. Technically, we were clueless. We just plopped a set down in the middle of their Hall of Fame. A bunch of curious fans gathered around. But at the end of it, we knew we had something. Right. And the next year, went on the road a few times, and then it kind of grew, and then it became, we can't even do this thing unless we're going on the road. Why bother? And it became a case of one-upsmanship. You know, Virginia Tech would put 15,000 people there around the set. So Nebraska had to get to 20 
And then Kansas State wanted to break that. And then who could break that record? That really was never what it was about for us. Right. But it was indicative of the fact that the, the crowd was becoming another cast member. And it was a huge part of the show. And it's what set us apart. I don't think that show works well in many sports. Right. Those kinds of shows are a disaster when they're <laughs> in the political forum. Right, right, right. <laughs> if I can say that. I mean, it's just not quite the same having a game day outside of debate as it is outside of a college football game. And, and I think that we... we we learned that very quickly. You try it in the NFL, mm, doesn't really work the same, does it? I mean, no, I, and, it, no. and it's, it's just not the same environment around the stadium, the nature of the fans. It's not quite the same. Um, but, but no, once, once, we, once the road just sort of clicking and we started figuring out how not to get drowned out by the crowd and how not to get hit by a flying bottle, <laughs> you know, I, I think those were all important steps along the way. Then they were just a blast to do. Extremely yeah. challenging, and if you ask me what I miss about it, the energy of the live crowd. It's like someone who's done some any kind of live performance, and then you just go and you do something that's that's not in front of people. It's just yeah. different, and I think that I, I miss hanging out with the students at the barrier in the hour before the show, and, and I miss the, 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 the energy of the picks segment and kind of coming on the air. Um, I, I will say this, one thing about game day, it's demanding to do a three-hour pregame show. I don't know if anybody needs that. Right. They wouldn't love that I say that, but I <laughs> felt the same way when he hosted it. I mean, yeah. I think it's a long-ass show yeah. at three hours, and I think that um, you know it, it requires almost a, a the pace of a of a ten k runner. You know, yeah, I won't yeah. say marathon because marathons some of these days we do in tennis, but but let's just say it's a ten k. You got to pace yourself. It's it's different than when the show was. Um, was shorter and it was more of a sprint right and it's also the per it was it, it's sort of the perfect show and it, when it really took off too for uh the internet age because i i know just from all my years writing at si.com we would get so much material out of the signs that would be a game day and then obviously <laughs> corso with the pick with the mascot head and the celebrity picker i mean college was, kids creativity yeah. is a beautiful thing to yeah. see and that it became like uh America's message board before social media really took over yep. on Saturday morning. It was the signs behind the set. That was that was how people expressed themselves and how they got the nation's attention, and that was a blast. We still had to censor a lot of them, but, but, yeah, yeah. but a few got through that were naughty, and that, that's okay, too. Well, speaking of naughty, I, I, I said there's no way I'm going to interview Chris Fowler and not end it with this question. On game day, 2011... <laughs> Lee Corso drops an F-bomb. And I went and watched it this morning before I interviewed you just to, just to, because it's just one of the old, first of all, everybody loves Lee Corso. There's nobody who doesn't like Lee Corso. He, and the way he did it was not overt. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to drop this F-bomb to get it. It was so subtle but effective. And then Herb Street goes flying back in his chair. He can't believe what he just heard. And you just put your head on the desk. <laughs> I, if you can just relive that for me and the listeners and what was going and through Carl your Lewis head. Had, Carl Lewis was going crazy and applauding because he was there yeah. as the guest picker at Houston. No, the, uh, I'll shorten the story, but basically he had this whole orchestrated course, so, uh, orchestrated way of doing the pick where he was going to talk up SMU and then pick Houston. He, he, he now does that all the time, but I think it was kind of a new idea for him at, at that point. And so he was going to say how All-American SMU was great, red, white, and blue. How can you pick against these people? Then, of course, he was going to go with Houston, which was the home favorite, and they were the obvious pick. But, <laughs> you know, we're not scripted, and we don't have rehearsals. So, 
you know, the director didn't know exactly what was going on. And, of course, I was trying to say one thing. The pictures are showing another. He kind of looks up, and I think he realized, you know, this is not unfolding. And he just said, F it. Right. And, he, and he threw the SMU thing down and put on the Houston Cougar. And it, it's sort of one of those things, just you know, anything but planned. It was completely, it was like his thought bubble came out of his mouth, and, and everybody heard it, and he had one of those YouTube moments, and then he had to make a an apology on air, which was so sheepish and inauthentic that they made him do it again. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a funny moment. And people, every time I go to Houston for any kind of event, you know, people bring it up because that was the scene of the crime. And um, I, I love Lee Corso, man. I, I learned so much from him. It was such a pleasure to be around him and his authentic passion um, for, for the game, for TV, uh, just a, a gifted natural showman. And, and like I said, I keep saying authentic cause that's what I think is the most important for me yeah. in TV from anybody. And, and Lee was, was wholly authentic. And that was a, a raw, authentic moment. It should be never repeated, but it was a blast. To be well, that, that, like, but to be that's why it's so iconic because it, you know, yeah. so much of today, especially sports media with these hot take shows and people trying to get yeah. attention. It's so not authentic. It's so planned out. It's so that moment, again, if he would have screamed it into, he just, you know, as he couldn't, as he struggled with the the whatever it was, the head or whatever, and he just let it slip out. It was such a beautiful TV moment. Do you, th- do you think people in this day and age have the ability to discern authentic from inauthentic? Because that's an important question in a lot of arenas, but also you know in TV sports where yeah. there are a lot of shows that we people are playing roles more right. than being authentic. And I just hope that people know the difference. When you you mentioned the TNT show. I share your enthusiasm for that. Watching, you know, Kenny and Charles and and um, Ernie and Shaq. Shaq and those guys. I mean, that is authentic. That's who they are. I think Game Day has always been about that. And and I, I hope that as we go forward and new generations of people come into this who have absorbed content all different platforms since they were two years old. I hope they still have their antenna for what's authentic versus what isn't, because that makes all the difference. I hope there's still a space for authentic stuff yeah. and the people can tell the difference. I, I don't think a, a more, I think more people should be more aware of what's authentic and what's not. I don't think enough are, but I do think, listen, the reason why game day rose to the top, the reason why, you know, inside the NBA rose to the top, I think enough people can, can sniff it out. I wish more did. Um, you know what? It takes, it takes a lot of work to keep it authentic. I think it's just yeah. natural, but it's not. And I'll just tell you that I, I'm sure the same thing goes on in TNT. I, I don't know, but I know for game day, you know, you had to constantly internally keep your antenna up for stuff that didn't feel authentic. Let's mm-hmm. not make it about us or let's not give into the shtick. I mean, you might say that the headgear was shtick, but it, it, it was completely organic and it sprang up. And I think it is a little bit different every week. And I think it's when you try to duplicate that, recreate that, clone that, then it becomes inauthentic. And I think it's, it's really a struggle, you know, within yourself and, and within each production to make sure that you do that. I mean, th- those are challenges that game day continues to face and, and every show does. So it's and not like, Hey, you know, we're, we just turn up every day and we're authentic. No, you, you have to sometimes fight the fight to keep it that way. Yeah. And I w- what I would say about the headgear is maybe it, it is shtick, but it, but it's also original. No other show was doing something like that. So I think it's, th- like you said, you got to be authentic, and I think you have to be original. And obviously, game day, what you guys started there, and continue, is is an original show. This, you know, all the signs were original, and then you have the, you know, mm-hmm. course of that was all original. I know, I know, you got to go. I just wanted to ask you. I'm sure you've been to every, every place in the in the country. 
for game day because you did it for so many years. In terms of calling a game play-by-play, what stadium venue have you not done it in yet that's at the top of your list where you'd love to call a game? Well, that's, that's a good question because there's a lot of places that we haven't yet been yeah. you know, to call games. We don't have the luxury of, of ABC of going every to every single stadium. I mean, I think certainly in certain conferences, Big Ten, ACC, uh, Big 12 have been all the places. I called one game on a Thursday at my alma mater in Boulder, Colorado, uh, long ago. It would be really, really cool to take ABC Prime back to Boulder. Mm-hmm. That would be a thrill for me. They were one of the worst programs in the world when I was there as a student. <laughs> then later I got to cover them winning a share of the championship, and obviously they've been up and down since then. So going back in there, even though I did it once long ago, would, would certainly be cool. One, one experience I'd like to have that I haven't yet is, is broadcasting a Red River rivalry game, OU Texas and the Cotton Bowl. I've, I've had the privilege of witnessing them as a fan, really, from the sidelines a few times because we did game day to set the table, but um, we don't get a chance to, to call that every year. It's all kind of alternates. A lot of times Fox gets the game, and it's also a, a, a noon Eastern kick, so it's not our normal package. But right. someday... Someday, Jimmy, I want to call that the I Red think, River rivalry because for me, that's that's just the coolest environment. I think it's a very attainable goal. <laughs> I think that happens. <laughs> I right. hope. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and uh, rest up. You're about to be very busy here with the uh, U.S. Open beginning uh, on ESPN August 26th. And then, of course, on the 24th this Saturday, Miami and Florida. Uh, Chris Fowler will call the game with Kirk Herbstreit and Maria Taylor, the A-team on ESPN. Thanks a lot, Chris. I enjoyed it. Appreciate your podcast. Keep up the good work. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. My thanks to Chris Fowler. Enjoyed speaking to him a lot. That was uh, what a career there with the uh, tennis and the college football top voice there. And like we talked about, you're going to be hearing Chris's voice a lot over the next couple of weeks. Uh, if you want to hear more of my voice, dip into the archives. Last week, Jim Miller on ESPN and some pop culture stuff. Two weeks ago, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Please subscribe, rate, review. It helps tremendously. Uh, appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 